With A.J. Pollock now in the mix, how creative can the Mariners get in their outfield? And speaking of the outfield, how short will the leash be for Jared Kelnick? All that and more here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday, January 9th, 2023. This is Tidane Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And thank you so much for making us your first listen. Subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. The link as well as our social accounts is in the description description below it is mailbag monday we got a few questions from you on twitter including this one from max if the season started today would you put jared kelnick in right field aj pollock in left field and have teoscar hernandez as the dh instead of the platoon idea this gives kelnick more at bats to see if he can turn into the player we are hoping to see could this happen a lot in april so maybe against righties, but definitely not against lefties. And in, in my opinion, Colby, how do you feel about it? It's the dumbest idea I've ever. No, no. Um, so here's here's the problem with it, Max. Is that part of the reason you brought in AJ Pollock is to not overexpose Jared Kelnick. You really want to get him going early. And the best way to do that is to really pick and choose your matchups very carefully. That means facing basically no lefties. He's really struggled against them. Um, and maybe even a couple of righties that might maybe have like a really good changeup or something. Maybe you see him sit and, and Pollock gets those at-bats. So I, I think I think the idea of trying to get uh, Kelnick going early so that he has some success and he can build on that is what the Mariners are doing. They're just doing it by protecting him and picking his matchups very closely. They don't want to overexpose him. They don't want him to be facing guys that he probably shouldn't be facing and has very little success, uh, very little chance of success against. And that's why Pollock's here. It's Kelnick and Pollock. They're one player is essentially how you need to look at it, um, which is why I think the Mariners need to go out and, and still bring in another bat, somebody who can DH. Uh, and the other thing is you don't want Pollock out in the field every single day. He's still a capable defender in the corners, and you can get away with having him play center field once or twice you know, every 10 days or so. Um, so I'm sure we'll see him out in the field some pretty early on. Um, and I'm sure we'll see Teo DH and, and you know, Kelnick and Kelnick play left. I'm, I'm sure we'll see that configuration a couple of times in April, but I wouldn't say a lot uh, because the whole point of AJ Pollock is actually to protect Jared Kelnick um, mm-hmm. and to try and avoid, you know, a really slow start with Kelnick where he loses confidence. And now you, now you have this black hole in left field. Like that's the point of AJ Pollock. So I think it's counterproductive right. if you just put Teoscar in the DH and you play both of them you know, a ton in April. I just, I think that's kind of defeating the purpose of, of the whole signing to begin with. So mm-hmm. for me, no, I, I I'm sticking with the plan. It's, it's Kelnick against righties. Mostly it's Pollock against lefties mostly. And then every once in a while, they might both be in the lineup maybe once a week. Yeah. And if you're going to run this combination of the four of Julio, Teoscar, Kelnick and Pollock in the same lineup, I'd much rather have Teoscar play in the field than, than Pollock and have Pollock DH because, look, Teoscar's not a great defender, but he is very athletic. You can get away with it a little bit better than uh, than Pollock mm-hmm. and also just Teoscar's younger. Um, right. Just overall, a, you know, probably a better defender at this point than than A.J. Pollock. So Well, even if you're not, you don't want to run Pollock into the ground, right? It's not yeah. such a big difference in outfield defense that – 
you know, it's actively hurting you to have Teoscar out there. You want to keep Pollock fresh because there is the chance that if Kelnick, even if you give him, uh, you know, every opportunity to succeed, he might fall flat on his face and you might need to use Pollock more like an everyday left fielder for a month or, or two until you can find a, a replacement type player there. So you don't want to burn him out too early. Uh, you really want to be smart with how you use Pollock. Uh, Pollock. You want to be not cautious, but you, you don't want to be reckless with it either. All right, next question comes from Zach, who asks, uh, at what point do the Mariners surrender on the Jared Kelnick experiment? He's a popular piece in trade predictions, but his value just diminishes as he continues to fail to perform at the MLB level. I worry continued failure in the bigs takes his or tanks his confidence forever. So whenever we talk about Jared Kelnick, you know, we have the caveat of he's young. He's 23 years old. Um, I don't think that if he struggles again this season, it dooms his major league career, but I think it dooms his future in Seattle. I think this is yeah. his last shot in Seattle to, to make it happen because the Mariners are getting to a point now. They can't afford to wait and see on someone like Jerry Kelnick. If he doesn't work out, and if Pollock can't play every day, they got to go out and get someone better. Or, you know, they got to hope and pray that Taylor Trammell or Cade Marlowe or someone like that can be the guy that they're hoping that Kelnick can be, or at least you'll be able to produce a little bit better than Kelnick can. So, yeah, this is it for him, for me, in, in Seattle. And I think the, the lease should be pretty short as well, because, again, the Mariners are at a point now where they just can't wait and see. So... If it's not working after, you know, a month or so, I, I, I think, you know, I'm exploring other options at that point. How do you feel, Colby? Yeah, I think with Kelnick, um, this is his last shot. And he doesn't have to hit right away in April. Um, you know, if he has to go down and then he comes back up and say like July and he's hit hitting 230 and with, you know, good power and average on base skills, then you probably get another year. So it's not like he has to be good from start to finish but he has to show at some point for probably at least six weeks that he is a major league hitter um, to, to get another shot next year. And even that shot's going to be less of a, because right now uh, Jared Kelnick is the everyday left fielder. I mean, that's his role uh, for the most part, right? If he has this up and down year, but he finishes on a high note, he might come back next year, but he is probably the fourth outfielder. I mean, that's probably how they're viewing him. So I think Kelnick gets one more year, uh, one more full year. Uh, if he's just steadily consistent at like a 100 WRC plus just plays his good cornered outfield defense, hits some home runs. I think he's going to get another year because at that point you still have, I think five more years of Kelnick um, before he's a free agent and he'll be 24. Right. So yeah. uh, I think it's just important. He just has to be a big leaguer this time around. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have to be an all-star. He doesn't have to be, you know, this four win guy. Can he just be a two win guy? Can he just hit 220? with a 310 on base and, you know, hit 20 home runs. I mean, can he do that? Because if he can, then he's going to be around next year. If he can't and he just kind of repeats what he's done this first two times up in the big leagues, first two years up in the big leagues, then I think the Mariners probably move on. And at some point, it's it's a sunk cost, right? You just can't keep running him out there to try and improve his trade value because now you're just costing yourself games and at-bats and wins. So right. I think I think this is it for Jared. It's, it's yeah. now or never. And so to Zach's point about his, uh, you know, him being um, an interesting piece for teams and, and trade discussions and whatnot, you know, we're, we're hearing it from some reporters out there that Jerry Kelnick, someone that teams are calling on, but like, isn't there a, a certain point where the Mariners just have to go, okay, we 
like he doesn't have a future here. We have to trade him yeah. and get whatever we can for him. We got to take advantage of his value while it's still there. I, I think the problem is right now his value is not as high as some people think. Mm. And so taking the risk that he can figure it out is more valuable to the Mariners than trading him for what they can get right now. Because you can't trade Jared Kelnick for Brian Reynolds straight up, right? That's not what we're talking about. Right. If you're trading Jared Kelnick for somebody straight up right now, it's either a veteran who has coming off of a down year or two, maybe some injuries, um, or you're trading him for like a mid ups, a mid reliever, a middle reliever type, maybe a Paul Seawall type, um, or another failed prospect from another team. That's really all he's worth right now. So to me and to the Mariners, that is worth more. Or it is worth more to have Kelnick get these at bats and see if he can figure it out than it is to trade him for those type of players. Right. Agreed. All right. We got more questions coming up here in just a moment, but real quick, a reminder this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college bowl season and basketball. We've got it all over at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device advice to learn more bet online is where the game starts and you're listening to the lockdown mariners podcast thank you so much for making us your first listen it is mailbag monday let's get back into these questions mark wants to know who has a better chance of being extended this season george kirby logan gilbert cal raleigh or teoscar hernandez so colby we've talked a little bit about this in the past and you know we've talked about how tricky it is uh, to with these starting pitchers, with catchers, and and handing out extensions, um, so I would say that it's Teoscar Hernandez because right now the only tangible evidence leading to any sort of extension for the Mariners for any of these guys points in the direction of Teoscar Hernandez. We have reports that the Mariners have talked to Teoscar about an, an extension, or at least there's going to be an opportunity for that dialogue here in the near future. Uh, so yeah, I would say right now, and you know, he's, he's the guy on the one year contract. He's a free agent next year. I think of all four of these guys right now, I would say the most likely to sign an extension. And I don't think really any of them are all that likely if we're being honest. Uh, but the most likely of them, if I had to put money on it is, would be Teoscar Hernandez. What about you? Yeah, I think that's the only option. Um, Cal Raleigh and Logan Gilbert each have five years of club control left. They're nowhere near free agency. And we're talking about a catcher. And we know that catchers typically age like milk. Um, you know, once they hit past 30, it's it's a, it's a sharp decline. And sometimes they have to move off the plate. Well, if Cal Raleigh has to move off the plate, then he's a DH, right? Like he's not athletic enough to do anything else. Um Gilbert is again five years away still. He's not anywhere close to free agency and he hasn't really peaked yet, I don't think. So if he goes out and he gives the team a deal that's, you know, team friendly enough for Seattle to be interested, he's probably leaving 30, 40, 50, maybe a hundred million dollars on the table. Uh, so that's not going to happen. And Kirby's six years away from free agency. So the Mariners don't have to do anything with those guys. They're not even, they're all going to cost the Mariners less than a million dollars each or right around a million dollars each. Um, so they don't have to sign those guys and those guys probably don't want to sign yet because they're leaving money on the table. They do right now. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's Tay Oscar. Um, he's the one 
Uh, I would be, I'd be shocked if, if either of the other three signed an extension uh, this year. Um, it just doesn't make sense. You can wait a couple of years, see what the player is like, see, you know, how your relationship is, see how they're developing before you decide to make, you know, that kind of a commitment to them. So yeah, it's Tay Oscar and, and the other three, I, I'd be absolutely shocked if they signed an extension in Seattle this year. Next question comes from Sky Dre, who says, thanks for the Gregory Soto discussion the other day. Oh, yeah, you were the one that submitted the uh, Gregory Soto proposal mm-hmm. that got us on our whole discussion about that. Uh, what is the M's equivalent of what the Phillies gave up? Did they overpay and by how much? Keep up the great work. So, Colby, uh, we talked a lot about Gregory Soto. It was our segment of the week the other week. Um, and we were not shy about how we truly feel about Gregory Soto, who I'll just say it vastly overrated uh just uh you know he's an all-star because the rest of his team was just that bad (laughs) and has been that bad for for quite some time now uh guy that has great stuff but can't really find the strike zone a lot of walks uh so what do you think uh what do you think would have been the equivalent of what the uh the mariners equivalent of what the phillies gave up for soto and uh what that would have all looked like yeah, um, it's a little tough. Maton is a little bit more experienced than a lot of the prospects that are kind of similar um, mm-hmm. major league experience, but he's also got a little more upside than some of the major league guys who maybe are equivalents. Uh, so it's always tough to find like exact uh, trade package. But to me, this feels a little bit like Tom Murphy, maybe Cade Marlowe, Mm-hmm. Um and, and and real quick the 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 trade package in full was uh Matt Veerling, Nick Matten mm-hmm. and Donnie Sands for Cody Clemens and uh Gregory Soto. Right, and even Murphy doesn't really fit because clearly the the Tigers are looking for some club control and Murphy's only got a year. So the Mariners don't have that catcher uh that that really fits here. Um the util the infield type Maton maybe Haggerty maybe they like Haggerty and that and that's a natural kind of fit there. Um, they don't really have the catcher and then Veerling is Taylor Trammell maybe something like that. Yeah, but Veerling's like had more success at the major league level, so right, but it, not much more. Um, so I, for me, it's it's like Trammell. Uh, it's it's definitely bulk. It's like Trammell Haggerty. Marlowe, something like that, or um, maybe if it's just all prospects, maybe it's Marlowe, Marlowe, Mar- uh, Baroa, maybe something like that. I, it, it's tough to say. It's not. Yeah. The Mariners don't have exactly what uh, what Detroit got. They don't have those type of players. They have better players, and they have similar players. They're just different positions, different points of their career. So. Uh, to me, I have a hard time imagining, you know, Seattle not giving up at least Trammell and, and Haggerty would be my guess, roughly. Um, and I personally would just rather have those two guys than than Soto. So. All right. We're switching gears a little bit here with our next question. This one comes from Tyler, who asks, uh, any way you see the Mariners retiring the number 51 twice for Ichiro and Randy Johnson in the coming years? Uh, they should. <laughs> and I think they will. And teams have retired the same number for uh, uh, for multiple players in the past, uh, like the Yankees with the number eight. So it can happen. I think they should do it. I think for both guys. 
should, but will they? And does Randy Johnson care? Uh, because true, Randy Johnson has not like disdain for his time in Seattle, but that's definitely a fractured relationship. It is not as strong as uh, Randy's relationship with like the Diamondbacks, right? So it, it's sure. kind of one of those interesting ones. Whereas Ichiro is, you know, bending over backwards to to be a part of the Mariners in any way he can. So it's kind of one of those things. Like, yes, they're both deserving. Um, to have their number retired, but the fact that they gave Ichiro the number like so quickly after Randy left town, um, or I should rephrase that, so quickly after the Mariners' ownership like, like, tried to ruin his career by saying he had these massive back issues. Mm. Um, yeah, Randy still holds resentment towards that, and I can't blame him. I mean, they. they I mean, bought, but a lot they, of those people are not involved anymore, though. I know, like... but still, still, it's still that team, right? And so. Maybe yeah. you can bury the hatchet, but what about Randy Johnson since retirement has given you the impression that he has any interest in being part of the Seattle Mariners organization in any capacity? I mean, hasn't he been involved in some of the celebrations that they've done? I think he and, threw out one first pitch. And that was hasn't it. he come to some of the Mariners' no. Hall of Fame inductions? He hasn't? No. No. I, can't, I don't I think swear he's, I, I think, remember him. I think maybe he came to Dan Wilson's. Huh. I swear he wasn't I remember at, him being at a couple was, of them. Nope. He wasn't at Ichiro. Obviously, they weren't teammates, so that's fine. But right. he wasn't. I don't think he was at Edgar's. I don't remember him at Edgar's. I don't remember him. I think he sends messages, but he doesn't come to those things. So was he at Griffey's? I don't think so. I really huh. don't. So there's definitely, you know, Randy's not. And, you know, Randy's always been prickly, let's say, I guess is a, a good word for him. Um, But he just, he doesn't seem to want to be a part of the Mariners, like, he's like reluctantly a part of their history. At least that's how it comes off. So well, I don't know. I would like, like to think that the, the Mariners organization would do the right thing here and extend the olive branch for a, how do you know they a, have a franchise. Great. Or maybe they have, how do you know? yeah, but how do you know, they, hey, Randy, we want to retire your number. Like, but we want to, wouldn't they want to do it at the same time at this point as each I don't think so. I don't no? think so. No. In fact, I guarantee you this each first. Like, oh, probably. they're going to put Ichiro, they're going to retire Ichiro 51. And then maybe they'll ask Randy, Hey, do you want to do your own thing? And we'll double retire it. But Ichiro is definitely going first. There's a 0% chance Randy Johnson gets his number yeah. retired before Ichiro. Cause well, if they yeah, were going to do that, point. it would have already happened. Yeah. It would have already happened. Yeah. So yes, they should. I, both are obviously deserving to have their numbers retired. Um, I just wonder you know, is Randy interested in, in being involved in that at all? Because if, if the player doesn't want to show up and they don't want it, like, what's the point? You know, the whole point of the number retirement is that you celebrate the player and, and you let the player know you appreciate them. So I don't know, man. It's been so long since Randy's really been involved in this organization. I just have to wonder if, if he's, you know, vetoed that idea even. And I'm not saying he has. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just saying I have to wonder at the very yeah. least. Like, maybe maybe they've approached it's him. He's just, just like... Nah. It's just hard for me to imagine them retiring one but not the other. I mean, it's that would they, be so weird. That would be so weird. It's already weird that they gave Ichiro 51. Yeah. Like a year and but a half again, after Randy Different, different, different knowing, regime and all knowing that. Knowing that Randy Johnson was going to the Hall of Fame. Like when they traded Randy Johnson, they knew he was a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Even at that yeah. point. Yeah. Now, the fact that he was like, the best pitcher of all time when he was with the Diamondbacks for three or four years. I mean, I'm not mad at him for going in as an Arizona Diamondback, right? That's the team that's on his hat um, in the Hall of Fame. Like, sure, yeah. that's fine. But 
I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know, like based on what I know about Randy Johnson's personality, he still holds a grudge against the organization, maybe not his teammates, but definitely his organization or that, or I don't say not his organ, that organization. And it's, you know, it still might be in play. Randy Johnson is not traditionally known as a nice guy. Um, and if he's so upset with the Mariners that he doesn't want anything to do with them or the, the number retirement, fine. Like I, I'm not mad at him for it. I just like, I'm not going to deal with that. Right. I'll put each row in and, and then, you know, the door's always open, Randy, but I mean, we're not doing this without you. There's no point. So we'll see. All right, we got a couple more questions to go here, but first a reminder, this episode of Locked On Mariners is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all of the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year, and if you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, man, I've got just the thing for you. you got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you, which is perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bars so good? Well, for starters, they are all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. And you're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. It is Mailbag Monday. Let's wrap things up here with a couple more questions. First up is Kyle, who says, I know bullpens are tenuous year to year. What are the chances Diego Castillo steps back into a high leverage role if he can figure his slider out? What pitchers do you see making the most impact in the bullpen other than Brash, Seawald, and Munoz? Colby. Old sure, DBD. First on this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have no idea what to do with Diego Castillo. I really don't because even last year there were times where he was really good. And then times where he was the worst pitcher on the planet. Like it, and you're right. It is all about that slider. It's a very flat slider. It's really, it's not a big sweep or anything like that. It's almost more like a cutter. So he has to have really good control of that because there's just not a ton of value coming off of the fastball or sinker really. Um, so it's all about that, that slider. Um, he has to have good control. And if he does, then yeah, he's probably going to pitch, you know, some high leverage situations and he's probably going to mm. be fine um, in those spots. But if he doesn't, he's going to lose you games. Um, you know, the, the Atlanta game comes to mind immediately. Um, even though the Mariners won that game, but he will lose you games if he does not have that slider. So it's really interesting. I thought maybe he was a non-tender candidate. We're way past that point. I thought maybe they could extract some trade value from him. It doesn't sound like that's a possibility. It sounds like their plan is, to have him come back and, and be have Castillo be a big part of their bullpen. So um, I sure hope he can figure that slider out, but it, it's like, it's not a great pitch. He really does have to locate it. Um, and when he does, it plays off well with the fastball, but if he doesn't, it's a cement mixer. That's usually in the middle of the plate yeah. or it's way off the plate and it's ball four. So yeah, yeah I, I really don't know. Like you said, it, it's, it's kind of a year to year 
outing to outing type of thing with Diego Castillo, but the Mariners seem to think that they can get more good than bad out of him. And he's someone that has dealt with injuries the past two seasons, including that shoulder issue, mm-hmm. you know, uh, almost right after they acquired him uh, in 2021. Um, so, yeah, you know, the big thing for him, really, uh, for me at least, is that he's got to stay healthy here. Uh, and he just hasn't proved that he, he can do that in the last couple of years. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, right now, as the bullpen currently stands, he's going to get high leverage uh, opportunities. It's just mm-hmm. the the way the bullpen is currently constructed right now. Right. At least at least mid leverage because yeah. typically there's only one real high leverage spot in a game, right? Maybe right. two. And those are going to Munoz and Brash for the most part. Yeah. And then Seawald. So Yeah. Yeah, but after those three, it's it's anybody's guess. Yeah. You're asking me who I trust the most after those three? Probably Festa. Mm. which, you know, is, is probably why the mayor should go ahead and add another arm to the bullpen. Agreed. Agreed. And that's why, you know, we talked about when we were talking about uh, Matt Brash potentially going back to the rotation. I mean, like, yeah, the upside there is great, but also that does pretty significant damage to your bullpen after also losing Eric Swanson. Uh, mm-hmm. To answer the same part of your question, Kyle, uh, I would say Festa as uh, you know one of the big guys that I would think uh, contributes outside of the uh, you know the three names that you mentioned in Castillo. Um, you know we saw some nice stuff with that slider. Uh, obviously he was he was running like a thirteen Ks per nine for for a while there. I think he ended up finishing around like ten or so. Um, he was pretty solid though. Uh, he, he, you know, yeah. And so, uh, maybe he takes a step forward, you know, Pim Murphy's uh, solid, but the, the, the guy that I want to talk about is Isaiah Campbell. We're going to talk about him a lot. <laughs> and, and I think Campbell's going to, going to fairly quickly make his way into this bullpen and proceed to become a, a rather big part of it. Um, He's he's got some really nice stuff, man, and he just dominated uh, the minor league levels mm-hmm. uh, this past it, season. It sure feels like the Mariners are expecting him to have a really good shot of making the bullpen because, yeah, I mean, yeah, Topa is a guy that's really interesting, but he hasn't really performed at the big league level at all. And then you know, um, what's his name, uh, Trevor Gott, uh, also interesting. The Mariners clearly think they can get more out of him than Milwaukee did, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also been. You know, okay, he's he's Penn Murphy, right? Like that's they've, that's they've much gotten two guys is. that they think they can get more out of than Milwaukee can, <laughs> right? And so it, it's just one of those things where if they don't go out and 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 I know they don't want to do like spend money on the bullpen, I get it, and they're really good at, at finding guys, but yeah, you have to have some, you have to have yeah. something out there, and Agreed. that's why I think Matt Moore is a really interesting guy. I think Andrew Chafin is a really interesting guy. They don't have to be lefties. Those are just the two guys that came to mind and they both happen to be lefties. So, and they could always go trade for somebody. Right. So I hope they're not done. My guess is, is that they add somebody in spring training via trade uh, at the end of it. But it sure seems like the Mariners are are banking on, on, you know, I would say right now, Isaiah Campbell or Travis Kuhn uh, being huge parts of this bullpen in 2023. 59 strikeouts and 46 innings for Isaiah Campbell this past season. Mm-hmm. Dude's going to be really good, I think. <laughs> like, And I think he's he's yeah. being vastly underrated right now. Uh, Do you really want him on. to be your, your third best reliever, though, at any point this year? I don't, but I, I think uh, with the way that he's performed as of late. I mean, 
if he becomes that, fine. And, but and, do you want and, to bank and, on him? And and Mariners Juju and all that stuff. Yeah, he's going to end up being one of those guys. But no, uh, no, I don't want to bank on that. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> to answer your question, no. Uh, yeah, no, I would like for them to go out and uh, add another bullpen arm and you know spend right. a, a little bit of money on on, on that arm to uh, to land it as well. Uh, if that's what right. it takes. I mean, we're we're probably doing prospect week, not next week, but like the week after. Unveiled the top thirty and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We're we're probably going to talk about Campbell, uh, or like or like go trade for Kendall Grapeman, or go trade yeah. for Joe Kelly if you think you can fix him. Like, mm-hmm. do that. Just go go get somebody who is at least in Paul Seawald's uh, realm. Go mm-hmm. get another Seawald. Yeah. Yeah, I really think that they need to do that, and that's kind of been uh, an overlooked part of this roster right. here for a while. Either they need to go buy one or they have to develop one, and yeah. they can't wait until July to do it. Yeah, everyone's so hyper-focused on the bats, and I get it, and yep. obviously the, the Mariners still need to add one more guy outside of that, but the, the bullpen's being pretty severely overlooked here, I think. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, last question of the day comes from Sage, who uh, who asks, uh, do you think Tom Murphy is lined up to be a big part of this 23-24 squad? Honestly, forgot about the fellow. Uh, my buddies said uh, have said he could be a good trade chip or a great primary DH. So the reason why I picked this question, Colby, is because from the CTZ account, I believe, a few days ago you tweeted that uh, you think that Tom Murphy is being vastly overlooked speaking of things that are being vastly overlooked so um, yeah I want to I want to get your thoughts on, on Murphy uh, overall and how he fits into uh, into this roster and uh, how he fits uh, in, in line with uh, Sage's question here sure um, so let's get this out of the way he would not be a great DH option um, Tom Murphy is a guy who's had one fantastic year and that was in 2019. Then he was hurt and missed all of 2020, the shortened 2020 season. 2021, he was okay. Wasn't wasn't great. He was fine for a catcher. Um, and then last year he got off to a really good start, but unfortunately got hurt. Major shoulder surgery. That is a question. Uh, big question. Uh, we'll see how that impacts his swing and and obviously his his defense. Um, but when you look at Tom Murphy's career as a whole, he has plus power. Uh, he crushes left-handed pitching, destroys it. And he's been a solid average or maybe even slightly better defensive catcher who pitchers generally like throwing to. So there's a lot of value there in a guy who, like Tom Murphy, probably only going to catch 45, 50, maybe 60 games. Um, And I just feel like people look at that and they say, well, that's not that valuable. You could just throw anybody back there for 60 games. And I point to 2022 Luis Torrens. And then when Torrens didn't work out, it was, nap and then when that didn't work it was okay like you know you know what i mean so like it's one of those things where yeah you're only upgrading that spot for let's say 60 games 60 games is a third of the season (laughs) i mean that that's a pretty significant chunk that's 250 plate appearances give or take um and again that's not counting you could dh him sometimes against left-handed pitching or you could DH Cal Raleigh against left-handed pitching and, and put Murphy behind the plate. So I think Murphy's probably going to get 300 plate appearances. And, and as much as I love Luis Torrens, he was not very good last year. Murphy should be better than Luis Torrens was last year. Yeah. Uh, again, the shoulder thing is, is a serious issue. So we have to see yeah. how he looks in spring training. Um, it's definitely something we're going to watch. Uh, but Murphy is a guy who, if you use him correctly, is going to crush left-handed pitching he can catch if, if Cal Raleigh needs to go on the 10 day IL, 15, whatever IL, you know, knock on wood, he can be your primary catcher for a few weeks and not absolutely kill you, even against righties. Um, and 
you know, he is a guy who is thought of pretty highly in that clubhouse as a leader. Um, mm-hmm. He's just, he's a really, really good guy to have on your bench. Um, and that's why I wouldn't trade him. I see a lot of people like, oh, yeah. trade Tom Murphy for this middle relievers. No, I, the backup no. catcher is more valuable than wh- another team's Penn Murphy. He just is, yeah. especially a good one. So, um, yeah, I think Cal Raleigh, or I think uh, Tom Murphy is being overlooked. Uh, I'm not saying he's going to be a 3 1 player or anything like that, but I think for the role that you want him to play, there's probably not more than five teams that have a better situation at catcher than the Mariners. So don't mess yeah. with it. Yeah, and if you can get like Tom Murphy at his 75th percentile this year, you probably have the best catching situation in all of baseball with him and Raleigh. You know, so because yeah, again, why would you mess that up? Like you have something great that a lot of teams mm-hmm. don't have and would kill to have. Why would you get rid of that? Right. And Murphy again is like Murphy's a guy who could put up a 130 WRC plus against lefties and then like yeah. An 85 against righties, 90 against righties. That's an insanely good catcher. That's a like Tom Murphy at his best is starting for 20 other teams in this mm-hmm. league, or at least, you know, he's the primary for 20 other teams in this league. So don't, don't just give that guy away. In fact, if the shoulder checks out, I would look into extending him. Hey, Tom, you want an extra year at like 5 million bucks? You want to do that? Like I, I would consider that because I think, yeah. I think the backup catcher spot is insanely overlooked because they play a lot and people just kind of act like it's just another bench guy. And you just go down to triple A and, and get the next backup catcher. Doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, why would you sacrifice that for the sake of adding a middle reliever? Like, I just, I, I don't get that. But mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that obviously, you know, and you, you already mentioned it, the, the shoulder and how it impacts the swing because major shoulder surgeries can just, mm-hmm mess up swings entirely and derail right. players careers so right and by the way he's, it, a, he's a question I, mark he's a question mark yeah, so i'm not assuming absolutely. like like even though like what i'm saying like with like the you know one of the best catching situations of baseball and all that that's the upside there mm-hmm. but right now he's a walking question mark there are no assumptions sure. to be made right now right i mean to be fair even the downside of murphy the mariners still have one of the best catching situations in ba- like that's just how good cal raleigh is if he well, yeah, yeah, what he yeah. did last year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously things can change. If Cooper Hummel is, is somebody you really believe in and he looks great in spring training and the Mariners really think they've figured something out with him, then maybe they do trade Tom Murphy at the end of the at the end of spring training. There's just no reason to trade him now. Right. Great. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our show. We're a little over time here. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us here on the Locked On Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidy Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Dane Gonzalez, that's D-A-N-E-G-N-Z-L-Z, and Colby at CPAT11, that's C-P-A-T-1-1. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. And thank you again for making us your first listen. Now make your second listen Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsay, uh, Lindsay Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the mlb stars of tomorrow it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like us and with that have yourself a beautiful baseball day and we'll see you on wednesday peace